I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hey, I'm Mega Ran. And I'm Kay Murdoch. And we are Forever Famicom. And you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. I'm Brandizzle. I'm Jessica. And this is our final boss episode. I'm eating a Vietnamese sandwich and dipping it in broth, and it's really good. I'm just saying that. And all the way from the West Coast, you're making me incredibly hungry, so please stop. I make everybody hungry, <laughs> girl. Mm. Mm. Almost done. You can continue with the show now. <laughs> okay, so the final boss episode is our annual year-ender show, uh, which features our top 20 nerdy things list. We've been doing this since 2009, so this is the fifth annual top 20 list, which I kind of can't believe. And none of my shit ever makes it up there. I hate you. <laughs> I hate all of you. Well, there's plenty. There's plenty of stuff that hasn't made it to this final list. I mean, I was I was surprised by some of this stuff. Um, the way this episode's going to work is basically we're going to be going through and revealing our top twenty list. We're going to be talking about why we chose them and other things that happened throughout the year. When we're organizing these lists, basically we all put into this huge pile all these suggestions throughout the year, and then we create our own individual lists, and then we compile those lists and see what people unanimously voted for, and then where they fell in their numeric lists between 1 to 20, and then kind of like, you know, make it work. What's unique and special about our list is that we are judging everything, pop culture, science and technology, world happenings, all of it mashed together, judged by the only criteria that Nerdy Show gives a damn about, and that's nerdiness, which is also synonymous with awesomeness. So uh, this is a massive arbitration. There's all kinds of things that are judged against each other. It'll be television shows judged against uh, one of our first lists. It was uh, Water on the Moon was, I believe, if I remember correctly, overshadowed by the return of Red Dwarf to British television. (laughs) Which, well, I mean, realistically, what's more important to you right now? Water on the Moon or the return of Red Dwarf? Who's the return of Red Dwarf? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. whatever. Fuck water in the moon. What are we going to do with that? Drink Exa- it? Exactly. I mean, whatever. Make a new bottled water? Moon water. M- maybe the water on the moon will return to the list when someone gets to the moon and... Uh, when and, someone gets the water, it. finally, yeah. it's going to be filled with alien yeah. bacteria and just going to kill everyone anyway. So whatever. Or it's going to give us amazing superpowers. Moon powers. Ooh, moon powers. Brandon, mm-hmm. at the very least, it's going to make your dick glow. All right. Well, it, that happens sometimes anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> but there's a bunch of stuff that didn't make it to this year's list, and it's only right that we should very quickly mention all this. Uh, things that, I mean, personally, there's stuff I want to be like, hey, this happened. Please check this out, because <laughs> we can't recognize it on the list. Uh, one of my number one things is the Super Mario Brothers film. 
the early 90s film <laughs> is being one of the best movies ever one of, the, one of the best movies ever i mean it's the thing is say what you will about the movie it's not a good movie but it's actually it's a very neat movie I it's mean, a like, great movie like, keep your tools like, by your side hey mario why you always got to sing songs about tools like, it's, it's great it's funny it's extremely weird the set design's amazing and it's one of the most unlikely and strange adaptations of anything that's ever happened so it's awesome in its own way and uh, the movie has been unofficially continued by the people who wrote the script. Now, there were a lot of scripts written for this film, but theirs was a <laughs> script that actually made it to theaters. So they're continuing this in what, comic form? In webcomic, yeah. Is Big Bertha of the Boom Boomer minute? Not yet, but I'm sure Damn. she's going to be there. There's Toad. Uh, there's new stuff. Ooh. There's, uh, I just like Big Bertha. Shy Guys. <laughs> so Ooh. it's cool. Everything we talk about this episode will link to where you can check it out on this episode's mm. page. And uh, uh, how about you, Brandon? You got They um, discovered a new bird, and that should have made it in the list for just okay. being awesome. Okay, hold on. They discover new birds frequently. They discovered a new prehistoric Okay, bird. they discovered a new fossil that predates the Archaeopteryx, okay? And it has feathers. It's kind of a big deal. It shows the transition even more so than Archaeopteryx between dinosaurs and birds, because unlike the Archaeopteryx, which could glide and kind of fly a little bit, this bird can't. Basically, it's a dinosaur with lots of feathers that can't fly at all. So it shows the transition between that and the Archaeopteryx. It's a big deal. Should have made it on the list. Fuck you. <laughs> Birds. <laughs> That's why I have a giant jug of whiskey next to me. I'm upset. <laughs> and also, I had a bit of a cold, and I feel like whiskey will sterilize that because, you know, it kills bacteria, right? So that makes sense. And I think every, t- every time the word nerd or nerdy is mentioned, I should just take a swig because realistically, yeah, let's I, do that. As your friend, I don't want you to do that, but I think that now that you've said that, the listeners will be really disappointed if you didn't. Okay. So sure, you have sure. to weigh my caring for you versus their not caring for you. So they cancel out. I'm going to go into the not caring for you. And add that to this, so, Thanks. Uh... Thanks, Jessica. So every time someone says nerd or nerdy, and I just did. So I'm going to take a swig. I'm going to start this off. It is, a, it is a large bottle. Well, I to be fair, it's only like a third left. Cause it's old charter. Eight-year-old, okay? Better than new charter. I mean, I'm doing it. I don't care. Aged for Brandon's pleasure? <laughs> it's, it's definitely aged. It tastes a bit rank, but I like that in my whiskey. Oh, it burns. Continue on. What about show. you, Jessica? You get anything uh, that didn't make it to the list that you uh, you wanted to talk about? China finally made it to the moon. Losers. Slightly depressing. <laughs> Slightly depressing to me because we've apparently given up on space as a country. But in the meantime, uh, China looks to want to pick up in our wake. But what I thought was really cool was that the name for the rover was chosen by the people, and so it was called U two, which uh, translates to Jade Rabbit which is an old Chinese folklore about a princess who stole the elixir of life from her husband and then fled to the moon. So maybe they're looking for this princess. I don't know. It has nothing I, to do with the band. Are you sure? You two? No. Nah. Mm. I don't know if that would have made it to China. If that would have made it past the Great Firewall of China. <laughs> it only, it only t- took them like <laughs> 70 years to get to the moon. But maybe they actually made it. We still could be debated on if we actually got there, if it's just the great <laughs> Well, it, I mean, we can debate if China really got there, too. You want to talk about it? I mean, the naming of it was probably the one freedom their people actually got, you know, in this century. And you know what? Honestly, I think it took longer to get to the moon just because they're shorter. What are they, like, standing on each other's shoulders to get there? I mean, I, I'm <laughs> so assuming that's how their space program started. It, it's a lot like Noby Noby Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, did they ever get out of the solar system yet? We ever get to Pluto? I, it's been ages since I checked on that. I have, that. I have no clue. I'm never going back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I had another thing that didn't make it to the list. The new, um, the new console generation, which yeah. is a big nerdy thing for me. Fuck, I said the word. 
Hold on, I gotta take a swig. Can, does it count if I say it? Bring this upon yourself, Brendan. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing the thing about the console wars is that I mean, huh. it's it's the next iteration of consoles, and weirdly enough, there was not really anything specially it nerdy is. about it's it. It's not revolutionary. It doesn't have really great controls, and it's not it's not different. But for me, as a console gamer, it's amazing because just the graphics blew me away, and and that's all I want. And I still can't find a PS4, and it's almost the new year. Well, so, I mean, in in my world of video games, this year I bought a Wii U because How's that treating you. It's treating me fucking great. That Mario was, game is pretty fucking great. It's amazing. Cat suits. It, yeah, it, it's uh, Mario. We should have put Mario cat suits on the list. <laughs> I thought that was about pretty it, but great. Ma- because I mean, Mario 3D World is the best Mario I've played since Mario 64. It's better than Galaxy. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's really fantastic. How's and, that last world treating you? Oh man, cannot cannot beat World Crown. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and multiplayer is just right out. Yeah, that, that's that's dangerous. That's super dangerous. <clears throat> and the new the new Zelda Link Between Worlds was great. Short, I heard a bit easy, but it's still fun. Uh, it's short, but it's still a lot of. I mean, it's still a lot of fun. In fact, I, I mean, might, it's not as hard as the original I, Zelda's. Obviously, well, honestly, I, I was playing it. And I was thinking, you know, I might be able to beat a Link to the Past just as quickly. I don't know. There's some hard bosses in there. There, there are, but I, I haven't played it in decades, so I don't, I don't know. Damn, you old son. Decades, I, I, or decade? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Also in video games this year, Bombermine uh, happened. That's a, a thousand player bootleg version of Bomberman. Now we voted for that, but it didn't make the top 20, right? Yeah. Okay. I really, I played it for like a hot minute. Really fun. I, I think you can have what up to a thousand people on one game. Yeah. I haven't seen a thousand yet. I've seen like 200 and it's fucking crazy enough with that much. It's ridiculous. Uh, you should definitely check that out. And uh, and weird thing that happened this year, Street Pass with 3DS just exploded. It'd been there ever since the 3DS came out. But, I mean, I travel everywhere with my DS now. I pass people all the time. There's, like, a secret underground of 3DS users. We are Legion, and we're fucking everywhere. Guess how many people I pass on my Vita? Like, one every month. (laughs) That's about it. That's how it was when I first got my 3DS, and it was so depressing. I got no puzzle pieces. Well, I mean, what about now? Are you still carrying it around? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm still, it's, it's definitely a lot better. But since I went to Japan last year, holy shit, that was, like... 30 in a day no problem i mean it's a phenomenon all of a sudden it's it's weird how it caught on years later but it it did so awesome we're gonna start the list right now starting at number 20 and working our way to the number one nerdiest thing of the year we're gonna oh fuck you said it hold on i gotta take a swig of of wixie old charter my good friend old charter we're old friends him and i and here's the thing these episodes in the past have tended to run long we've got 20 topics to talk about (laughs) so so what we're doing to keep ourselves uh tight this year is uh we're gonna have a timer uh a timer that will sound well when when it's over and you know we'll allow for extensions if someone's wrapping up but that's it if we over it's my fault my tongue is kind of numb already from this whiskey oh man <laughs> it's pretty strong <sighs> i might have to drive you home no i'm good i'm just gonna i'm gonna crash here okay <laughs> coming in at number 20 and i'm starting the timer the white house's response to the death star petition now i only heard about this recently and then i read it and was like this actually happened it's not a hoax it mm-hmm. happened it, it happened it did. earlier this year um based on a petition that was started last year the petition was on whitehouse.gov, secure re- resources and funding and begin construction of a Death Star by 2016. Can you read their response? Uh, I can read parts of it. It was um, it got over 34,000 signatures. And uh, Paul Shawcross, the chief of science and space branch at the White House Office of Management and Budget, responded to it with a brilliant uh, response called this isn't the petition response you're looking for. Some highlights. The administration shares your desire for job creation and strong national defense, but a Death Star isn't on the horizon. Here are a few reasons. The construction of a Death Star has been estimated to cost more than 
850. It looks like maybe that's quadrillion. There's a lot of zeros here. Um, <laughs> trillion, trillion. We're working hard to reduce the deficit, not expand it. The administration does not support blowing up planets. Why would we spend countless taxpayer dollars on a Death Star with a fundamental flaw that can be exploited by a one-man starship? That's true. I mean, he's got a point. Uh, he goes on to say, even though the United States doesn't have anything that can do the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs, we've got two spacecraft leaving the solar system, and we're building a probe that will fly to the exterior layers of the sun. We're discovering hundreds of new planets in other star systems and building a much more powerful successor to the Hubble Space Telescope that we'll see back to the early days of the universe. Why the fuck doesn't the president have speeches like this? Like, we're building a thing to go to the sun, doing all this cool science shit. Why does he never talk about it? Well, you say that, but when was the last time you... got canceled after this petition. I don't, I don't yeah, listen to presidential speeches because they don't talk about science stuff ever. It's all fucking... That's because we don't give a shit. We're going to talk about how we care about educating kids in science. Sorry, just... hot button topic. I'm done. I'm <laughs> no, done. You don't have to be done. But don't the... be done. Get angry. I'm angry. <laughs> uh, uh, Paul, Paul does go on to say, we are living in the future. Enjoy it. Or better yet, help building it by pursuing a career in science, technology, engineering, or a math-related field. The president... Yeah, that. But we won't have any science. <laughs> yeah, they say that, but they don't do it. <laughs> Bitches. The, the president has held the first ever White House science fairs and astronomy night on the South Lawn because he knows these domains are critical to our country's future and ensuring the United States continues leading the world in doing big things. You should have gone to that, Jessica. Made like a little volcano display. <laughs> Would have been cool. Remember, the Death Star's power to destroy a planet or even a whole star system is insignificant next to the power of the Force. I so, don't know. The Force can't destroy a planet. I think. You know, realistically, 34,000 people is not enough to pull all of Earth's resources into creating a moon-sized space station. Sure. It would yeah. need like a billion it was. Well, I mean, what he's saying here is it was short-sighted. Uh, and despite his, uh, you know, his... <laughs> Just a little bit. Can um, we at least get a Star but, Destroyer made? Come on. I mean, but if you think about it from a government official standpoint, he could have totally just said something lame, like, no, that's unrealistic and fictional. Please I'm just stop responding send, yeah. because I got 20,000 responses when I said I, they said I had to. So, yeah. Whoever that guy is that I don't remember his name, he's like the coolest dude in the White House I've ever heard of. <laughs> uh, Paul, Paul Shawcross. And yeah. It's, Can we get him on the show? I would, I would love to. He does, just to talk to him about he that. He doesn't have a social media presence. I don't really know how to contact White House officials. I would love to. Paul, right. if you're listening... Uh, info at nerdyshow.com. He's, he's a long time listener. So. <laughs> First time caller. First time caller. Soon, we hope. And we actually got uh, we got six seconds left, so we'll just mosey on over to the next topic. Look how efficient we are. Let's mosey. That's because we don't have 20 people here today. <laughs> Which uh, I, yeah, If you're wondering where our other Nerdy Show regulars are, well, it's the end of the year and they're scattered to the four winds. Yeah, everyone's really busy right now. <laughs> it sucks, but you know, whatever. I've uh, got old Charter here to comfort us. Yes, that's right. Old Charter. Number 19, Escape from Tomorrow. Escape from Tomorrow is a, uh, a film, an independent film, that was filmed entirely on Disney property. Without their knowledge. Without their knowledge. So, illegally, technically. <laughs> That's it, what makes it so awesome. That is one of the very awesome factors contributing to this. The film itself, it's a uh, psychological, surreal thriller. It's kind of like a feature-length episode of The Twilight Zone. Or if um, the old or the new Twilight Zone, well, the, the old one was good. I mean, the thing about the film is it's a really cool film and it's definitely worth checking out. It's not the most brilliant movie ever made. So maybe maybe I should say it's more like 90s Outer Limits than the Twilight Zone. But, you know, that vibe, basically that vibe. If you're interested in that kind of a thing, you should check out Escape from Tomorrow. It's about a family man at the Disney parks with his family and his, his life is kind of falling apart. He gets fired. He's feeling disassociated from his wife. Uh, his kids are kind of being bratty, and he starts having these fantasies, or nightmares, or both, and seeing really weird stuff as he's on the Disney rides, and uh, eventually, 
everything just explodes into a nightmare, a complete nightmare with some very strange sci-fi elements as a part of it. Like, and it's a dark comedy also. It's a very strange movie. So I should watch this movie. You should. Uh, and what makes it nerdy? Ah, fuck! Hold on, I gotta take a swig. Uh, it's really the, uh, the uh, one, the nerdiness of, say, the, um, of orchestrating... You said it again. <laughs> yes, uh, of, of, or- of orchestrating this covert filming in the Disney parks, um, <laughs> but also the fact that it is a, a, a Twilight Zone-esque film, and it, it's really cool. It's one of the coolest movies to happen this year. Uh, and like I said, the overall like writing quality of it—it's all you know—it's it's not amazing. It's very adequate. Yeah, but like the the premise and the execution are all very well done. And uh, Escape from Tomorrow is number nineteen on our list. Now I haven't seen it yet, but my favorite thing about what I've seen is that they have a website with a counter that says how many days we haven't been sued by Disney yet, and it's up, <laughs> it's it's getting up there, so it's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. Whiskey, uh, man. Uh, the film is, it had a limited theater release. It might actually still be in some theaters, but you can download it on iTunes and Amazon, and we'll have links to where you can do that on this episode's page. And if you have some sort of local independent theater, they're possibly the ones that would be fairing it, I assume? Uh, yeah. Uh, ironically, it did not come to Orlando. Maybe on purpose. <laughs> oh, I think maybe they stopped it from <laughs> yes. coming here. Just a little bit. And, and we, have, uh, we have cleared under time again. Ha ha. We're doing so good, guys. We're doing so good. Yeah, we are. I'm sorry about your drinking, Brandon. That's it's really okay. good. It's been, okay. I've been chasing it with this leftover faux broth or pho broth. Sorry. That so it sounds terrible. No, it's actually good. Once I had this drink with like hot au jus and sake, it's fucking great. That sounds like. Uh, it's like comparable. savory, sweet and savory, guys. <laughs> I think on, your mouth with... has just gone numb and you've lost the ability to taste things. It's 2013, almost 2014. It's time to drink fucked up shit. <laughs> Happy New Year, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> we're we're going to get to the um, Batman Beyond universe soon, like in years. So we need to start doing crazy shit <laughs> like Vietnamese broth and whiskey and zero G highlight. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking stim patches and shit. <laughs> Uh, all right, number 18, The World Goes Drone Crazy. Now, is this just like all drones? Yeah, this is, every year we end up, not, this isn't exactly a tradition, but it sort of happens. We have some topic that's really general because we it, it couldn't quite be nailed down. It is a pretty general topic. I mean, military has drones now, and the public sector has drones, the private sector, basically everyone. This has been building for years, obviously, but it's uh, really this year... The mainstream nature of drones is just one of the many contributing factors to, you know, all of us finally saying we are actually in the future. It took longer than we thought to get here, but some weird sci-fi stuff is happening. And even though we don't have rocket boots and flying cars, we've got unmanned fucking vehicles that we can fly now from our home with yeah. a joystick. Uh, and, you know, back in uh, 2010, we did our video from E3 with a Parrot AR drone. And um, if I remember correctly, it starts with me. I'm just I when I saw this thing for the first time, it's a quadrocopter. You may have seen it flying out of like Brookstone in a shopping mall. I was completely blown away. I'd never seen anything like it. There's this shot, and I'm basically I'm blubbering, and I'm just I'm just staring at this thing flying around me. I'm just like, the, the, the future. You're an old man. You're an old man looking at a floating object, going, "How does this happen?" Well, I don't think we ever could have really seen what was coming, but uh, but our, our fascination with the Parrot AR drone from that point on, I think it was this slope that got us to where we are now, where Amazon has announced their um, Amazon Prime Air. I cannot wait to see drones dropping off my fucking packages. By the time I can get a PS4, these will be ready. <laughs> Fuckers. It, it doesn't have a release date. Um, they said, yeah, they did. They said, they said, I think by what, the late 2014 or 2015. Really? That soon? Yeah, they, they want to get it out as soon as possible. Maybe it was 2017. Guys, I'm not good with numbers. There was definitely <laughs> a two, a zero, and a one in there. The last digit's up for debate. 
<laughs> but one of the most exciting things to come out of this is that um, there are new majors now in colleges, and there's actually one where you can major in flying unmanned aircraft. So you can actually get that degree for business purposes, say delivering packages for Amazon or flying for like telecommunications companies or, you know, just spying on people. Interesting. But it's really cool. I'm sure that there'll be a lot of rollover in those positions from people who've been doing that for the military. And oh, yeah. It'll, it'll be jobs for when they get out of the military. I don't think they're going to get shell shock from flying uh, drones unless they're like, I'm killing so many people and I don't feel anymore because I'm looking at a screen. Well, I, I know that there are, um, there were, I don't know if there still are, but there were missiles that launched from drones where they actually had cameras affixed to them and they would see the faces of people who died to confirm the kills. Yep. So... That's horrifying. I would love that. What do you get, like a thousand points per kill? How much you get per children? <laughs> General Zevo, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. It, it exactly reminds me of the movie Toys. We finally hit that part. Like, we finally gotten to Toys. That's what we finally did. The worst parts of Toys. The parts that, like, the most you know, fun, condemn the human race. The, the, where I can put my video game skills to use and actually destroy mankind. Come on. That's what I've always dreamed of. Okay. <laughs> and you're the reason that people hate the word drone and they freak out. Yeah, there was a small town that's trying to get drone hunting licenses. This is <laughs> I think that passed actually in Colorado. You can like you can shoot a drone on site if it, you see it. I believe it's 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 been it's been held up somewhat. We're hunting, you know. Uh, okay. Basically what's going to happen is drones are gonna develop their own AI and just like live in forests at some point and become wild and you're gonna go out and hunt wild drones. They're gonna scavenge they're them gonna for batteries. Swarm like sparrows or fish and just, <laughs> just like eat you know, your garbage <laughs> to power their fuel cells. It's gonna be great. You just have to shoot them. Get out of my trash, drone. Yeah, that's a good idea. Give drones AI and uh, Mr. Fusions. And what is that? That's the alarm. Oh, I can't talk about drones anymore. Okay, moving on. I got more to say, but we'll go keep going. Keep moving on. All right, number seventeen. Final Fantasy VI, Balance and Ruin, the album from Overclocked Remix. This shit's crazy. It beat out drones. It, it did. <laughs> drones was a general topic and this one is far more specific S specific and, and we all know that specificity is nerdiness damn it i have to drink hold on balance and ruin is their 40th album 74 tracks 74 artists five physical discs it's officially licensed by square enix you did say 74 tracks and they're all amazing they have redone the entire original score to final fantasy 6 one of the most beloved video game scores of all time by Nobuo Imatsu. It's that's generally the gist of it, but you have to hear it to to understand the amazingness of it. Yeah, if that's a word. So to illustrate this, we're going to play a track from it now. Hex might not be physically in the episode, but he has given me some nice write-ups to go along with these tracks. And here's his for the Impresario by Jake Kaufman and Tommy Pedrini. This is a mind-blowing rendition of the opera scene from Final Fantasy VI. It shows an amazing amount of maturity from the release as well as the composers. Jake Kaufman, a.k.a. Vert, is a veteran of the OCR community. Uh, he also does the music for the Adventure Time video games. Oh, cool. But this is Pedrini's first contribution. Pedrini, like Kaufman, is currently a professional video game composer. Between the range of vocals and the rock opera and queen-like infusion in the music, many have made the comparison that, quote, this is how the opera scene would be done if by the proto-men. Nice. And Hex can't agree more. Now, can you do all of that in Hex's voice, please? I, I feel like I need to hear that. I cannot. <laughs> and I will not even attempt it. Because okay, got Wait, that's not Hex. I can't do Hex. <laughs> that sounds more like when Brian... No, that's, uh, what, that's Kermit. It's, let's, let's Bri Brian's it's weird Brian doing Ker Kermit Kermity voice, yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> Brian here. <laughs> that's, that's basically right. Every time he does that, it kills me. Every time. Now, the Impresario is a full-blown, nine-minute-long rock opera piece. 
We're not going to play the whole thing. We're just going to play a short excerpt of it. It's divided into movements anyway, so that won't be a problem. And we'll link to on this episode's page where you can check out the full amazing nine minute version. Uh, But it is the standout track of the record. So it's only fitting that we play at least some kind of a clip from it. Showcasing the brilliance of Final Fantasy VI Balance and Ruin from Overclocked Remix, here's the Impresario by Jake Kaufman and Tommy Pedrini. I'm feeling a bit tipsy. (laughs) I don't know if it's the faux broth or the whiskey, but I'm going to say it's the whiskey. Look into the sins of your past. Love as if today were your last. Better times have slipped away. I'm lost beneath the waves. Nothing Welcome back, fancy friends. Right now, we're going to get to the uh, the next batch of our top 20 nerdy things, but uh, we have a little... Well, you, you said nerdy, I got a drink. And you picked a word that was in the title of our list. So every time he says the N-word... And, you know, the show. Not, yeah. not the bad N-word, the good N-word that's in the title of, you know, what we do, um, I have to drink some old charter whiskey. So now I'm going to take a swig. We've got a New Year's treat here. Um... Pardon my rustling as I get it out the box. It's from one of our Finnish listeners, M, and uh, here's here's what he wrote to us. Hey guys, I tried looking for some local Dorito flavors in Finland. I don't know what they could have, like uh, lamprey Doritos perhaps, but I don't think we have any. I don't think corn chips are really popular here anyway, but I wanted to send you guys something for Crunchmas, so here's some ammonium chloride candy instead. Excuse me? <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just hold on a sec. <laughs> uh, they're pretty popular in Nordic countries. Improves your thumb or something. I think that's how you, it's it's T H U apostrophe M the thumb. I don't know, but that sounds great. I think Doritos were probably banned from Finland just because of how crap they are, how so, bad they are for you. Uh, what we have here are four different licorice candies. And are you serious, licorice? Here, yeah. Here's the thing. I'm not a fan of licorice, but I've I've tried one of these already, and this is different. There's 
Salmaki original Finnish salty licorice. And it, it is salty. It is salty licorice. Mm. And the, the salty elements of it actually offsets the disgusting licorice flavor to make something that isn't I don't love it, but it's certainly not bad. And I'm holding a bag that says Turkish, but spelled T-Y-R, Turkish Peeber. And it's got it says original, but there's three fire symbols next to that. Does that mean anything? Um, it actually means that uh, the finished palette is extremely weak, and those three fire symbols there will do nothing to you. Let me let me put one <laughs> in my mouth, huh? It's not chewy. It's a hard candy. The one you're having is a hard candy. The one I have here, Turkish Peeber Volcano, is in fact chewy oh, and I has broke it. and has a kind of gusher center. This has a center with a hard candy. Here's the thing: I hate licorice, and it definitely has a licorice taste. But it's covered in salt. Yeah. And that makes it good. But I just broke into the center and it's like a block of salt. And I kind of, I'm going to down some whiskey because I feel like I'm going to throw up. Nerdy. <laughs> the outside was good. The inside was literally salt syrup. You ever had salt syrup? No, because it doesn't exist unless you're in Finland. Then you should, you should try out the volcano here. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, give me that. It's um. This it's is my- definitely. I want to thank. I want to thank M for giving us a new experience. Yeah. This, oh, these look like little pyramids. All right. <laughs> this is this is better than the one I just ate. This is like a chewy little gummy, and it's like licorice flavor, but not strong enough and, for me to and hate. And the, the 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 salty mm-hmm. cayenne kind of element to it is is quite good. Oh, it's got a lot of protein too. I cool. mean, M, thank you. This is a, this is as Brent was saying, a, a completely new and unique experience. Ooh, and, yeah, um, we don't have shit like this over and here. And I, I I'm genuinely shocked by how much, given that I don't like licorice at all, how much I like these. I mean, I can stand them, and that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back <laughs> to it. Except for that salt shit I just ate. We I don't want to talk about that. Let's put it this way. I wouldn't seek it out. But um, <laughs> anyway, on to number 16. This taste isn't going away out of my mouth. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it is definitely not. Jesse, we need to mail you one so you can experience this. Here, I'll, I'll just, I'll fax you over one real quick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just cool. smush yeah. it in the fax uh, machine. Let me, let me, actually, I'm going to have to hang up for my dial-up connection so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, so number 16. Is the film Gravity. I've seen Sandra Bullock in Speed. I've seen Sandra Bullock in Speed 2. Cruise Control. I've seen... (laughs) You remember that? (laughs) I've seen Sandra Bullock in Demolition Man, one of the best movies ever. Is she good in this movie? I mean, how could she be? Is she? (laughs) How could she be? Yeah, she's good. I mean, can she act? George Clooney is a side character. She's the sole driving force of the film, and... Mm -hmm. I feel like every time she's in a movie, something breaks. Like, every time. I think that's kind of what her character does. So explain, explain this movie to me, Jessica, because I haven't seen it. Essentially, um, well, something breaks. Uh, she's, <laughs> we're, we're, we're in space uh, on an ISS-type deal, and they're fixing something. And there is a large solar flare, and suddenly she's sent careening out into space. Uh, whereas there's no gravity, contrary to the film's title. So then it becomes this wild race to get back down to Earth uh, before more solar flares hit, and uh, she dies. So um, Spoilers! Thought- <laughs> uh, just, just pointing out that uh, Jessica's and she dies was, uh, was not a definitive word on what happens in the plot of Gravity. I didn't say and, I said or else she will die. So. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like, and she dies. <laughs> yeah. It is a gorgeous really cool film their zero g effects are second to none and uh, i mean every good hard sci-fi the crux of it is a human drama usually something existential this is a bit le- less existential the the script isn't particularly strong exactly but it was it, it a, works. was it a lot I was like say, the s- was there a script it didn't seem like there was much of a script <laughs> was it a lot like the scene in final fantasy 8 when renault is floating in space for like two hours and you don't care that was one of the best scenes in that game. Anyway, next topic. 
<laughs> Do you know anything about how was the science in this movie? Because I've heard various interviews of people talking to actual astronauts about the logistics of this movie. Well, here's the thing. Uh, first of all, it's directed by uh, Alfonso Caron. And um, this is a gorgeous movie. It is a absolutely beautifully shot film. They did an IMAX, right? Didn't they? Uh, there I was a, there was an IMAX 3D release, and it is some of the best 3D that there has ever been, and definitely some of the most appropriate 3D there's ever been. If you have not seen it in IMAX 3D, I would say that you severely missed out. In answer to your question, the science of the film, it's not perfect, not by a long shot, but um, famously, Neil deGrasse Tyson was tweeting a whole lot while he was watching the film and uh, pointing out inconsistencies with the movie he later went on to say that he was pointing out the inconsistencies because he was so enthralled by it and how much he loved the film it only made sense that he would offer up his scientific critique of their missteps and the the mm. uh, you know the facts of the, i, of the I heard there were some really good scientific uh facts that they that actually were accurate in the movie but there was also some that weren't. yeah yeah he actually he after in response because people took his tweets the wrong way he actually published a list of the things that they got right about it as well. Mm. So wait, the, wait. He was tweeting during the movie, so he was that asshole with the tiny screen that, lit that, up that you are distracting <laughs> you? It is entirely possible that that is what happened. It seems like that is what happened. I'm sure he turned the brightness down. Or he had like a private uh, screening of the film. I don't know, mm. but he may have actually... Neil deGrasse Tyson may have been that guy. Well, then I call shenanigans because they say they will find you and they'll throw you out. And uh, that apparently didn't Shit. happen. So. Oh, the timer. Ah. We went over. Number 15, Google Glass. Take video of people without them knowing. Yeah. Mm. Upskirts and dumb. I read about an asshole guy getting kicked out of a restaurant because he wouldn't turn his shit off and he was taking pictures of things. And he, he wanted the, the lady to be fired who told him to turn it off. He is what's called a glass hole. I th- I think yeah. the only people testing these these glasses are kind of glass holes. That's the um the problem with them being so expensive and limited right now is the only people who can afford them are typically the people who would be glass holes. <laughs> I love it. Um and and so Google Glass the reason it's on this list the reason it's it's nerdy is I mean it's a Damn it. I'm, I'm drinking. You, you say damn it, but I think you're really excited. Mm. <laughs> There's a point where drinking where when I say damn it I'm going to mean it like I don't want to drink anymore. <laughs> anyway, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Uh, it, it is basically a functional cyberpunk fashion. It's pushing our existence that much closer to a cyberpunk reality, even though the people who wear them are typically douchebags. For now, because the people who first owned iPhones were also douchebags. So, hey, what do you mean were? What do you mean were? You guys still kind of are. Thanks. I don't have one. You're just jelly. I am jelly. What kind of jelly are you? Uh, peanut butter. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> wait that doesn't make sense it doesn't all right so okay what, what, um, do the, what do the google glasses actually do right now that i care about besides uploading images instantly to your facebook you can do directions navigation and um, i got a gps for that but not on your face <laughs> i feel like at some point they're gonna ban them anyway from driving because you're just gonna look at stuff in your in your eyepiece Whoa. and then crash and die I, I did have a friend that was using the navigation while he was driving and he said it was actually quite distracting yeah see they're gonna ban that shit anyway well here's the thing uh google has a master plan and they're self-driving cars exactly which, so why do you need a gps in your eye when your car is gonna drive you there when you're walking who the fuck's going to walk in the future, Cap? Look at the people wearing Google glasses. You think they're going to walk? Google knows what's good for us. And, uh, and they, they, we <laughs> Google do, tells me what to do. It, like, like, Cap's been assimilated. Uh, you know, I, I, no, I'm just, I, much, much like how, how now Google tells you, you know, what name you can comment on under YouTube and all that mm-hmm. stuff. We do what Google wants us to do. And Google wants us to walk around and be healthy. So we will walk around and be healthy. And we'll be in uh, energy efficient self-driving cars. 
And they will have robots to look over us since they bought most of the major robotics firms in the country. I'll see it when I believe it. So, you know, Google Glass, it's nerdy. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's out there and it could be a, a big paradigm shift just like the iPhone, or it could be get replaced by something better. Who knows? Cause right now there's no augmented reality functionality. It, it's just basically a, a web browser thingamajig in your face. It still is exceptionally nerdy. So it's on the list. And that's me taking another swig. What number are we yes. up to? Cause I swear I've had like five shots. We're not even like a four through the list. We are on number 14. God damn it. Number 14. about to get really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm running out of chaser solution. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number 14 is Inform Dynamic Shape Display. That shit is amazing, and I don't know what they can use it for, but it doesn't matter, because once you see it actually happening, you're like, holy shit, this is better than everything. We'll link to a video. Well, it's like the X-Men map, yeah? Yeah. I mean, it was, so that's what you can use it for. When you're, when you're planning your attack, you can have everything map up and plan how you're going to enter the scene. Yeah, describe, describe, someone describe what the inform is so they know what we're talking about. We'll have a video to where you can actually see it uh, on this episode's page, but um, as Jessica was saying, you know that scene in the first X-Men movie when they're like planning the the attack on the Statue of Liberty or whatever, and they've got this big disc that shoots up all these pins to create a map out of little squares? Basically that. They, they created that, and it's amazing. Ten and years later, we finally have it. It is connected on a table to a giant machine that looks like a bunch of, bunch of like tendons and sinews, which looks really cool, so... The technology isn't quite there to have it, you know, portable, but I imagine you could make an entire city out of it and wave your hand and just move whole buildings. It's really neat. It does more than the X-Men one, actually. It, it lights up from the inside. People can shape it with their hands and it can interface with video conferencing. And so. they were using their iPad to control some of it, too. Uh, they, they switched to that interface and I saw them doing stuff on it yeah. and it was drawing. That's the it. mark of good science. It there interfaces with the iPad. Yeah. I mean, if it connects to the iPad, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> The Inform was created by the Tangible Media Group. They're basically dedicated to new sciences that are actually have a, a tactile element to them, which is great because, you know, we can talk about Tony Stark's holographic interfaces all we want. But you can't touch them. Yeah, you can't there's, physically touch them. I mean, there's no interactivity with that unless we've implanted sensors in our fingers so we have the sensation. And that could happen. That could totally happen. But um, there's this, and it's cool. It's weird. It's like, it's like um, the opposite of how technology is going almost. I mean, it's, it's an amazing technology, but it's completely tactile instead of just augmented reality. It's actually altering reality. You know, it's not augmented. So it's a physical tactile thing instead of just seeing something or projecting something. So it's kind of neat the way that it's, it, they're trying to create that sort of technology. I don't know what they can do with it. You could wave your hand and like doors would open. That'd be cool. In your house? Come on. <laughs> have like, a, like a different like game type thing. I mean, so you can like raise certain levels or make some sort of maze. And they were trying to like tip the ball through like a giant labyrinth. I just want it so when I walk in the bathroom and wave my arm, the toilet seat like opens. Like it just there's like a hole opens, like the squares move aside and there's oh, opening. Oh, go to Japan. Shit, they had that. What? Like, not only like like the door opened, the toilet seat came up. It was like what? It was I'm living in the fucking shit I've ever experienced. I'm living in the wrong goddamn country, people. Jessica, can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. Did you use one of those weird floor toilets? In China, yeah. Not in Japan. How was that? It's uh, not awful, actually. Um, See? It requires some balance. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I've been doing it for twenty something years. That's the only way I poop is to <laughs> squat over a hole. <laughs> Well, okay. Just just wanted to know. For more for more on squatting to poop, we <laughs> yeah. had a Christmas special last year uh, where Brandon was gifted a squatty potty. We'll link to where you can check that out on this episode's page. 
Oh, geez. I forgot about that. <laughs> I left it in your bathroom where you probably use it. I love it. See? See, I, the way I go to the bathroom is great, isn't it? I don't... Well, it, yours is dangerous. Yours is actually standing on the toilet. I personally don't want to stand on the toilet. I'm very lightweight. But if I poop without using a squatty potty, I'm kind of upset about it. See? Yeah. I would, know how I feel. I, if, I, if it made sense, I would carry a collapsible one with me. That's why it's weird me using public bathrooms, because I gotta, like, get naked and squat on the toilet and make sure no one else is in there or else I can't go, and I'm hoping they don't see me, and then, and then it's like, are they looking under the stalls? Do they see that there are no feet there? Like, what are they thinking? Are they thinking there's a ghost using the toilet, or that I'm a weirdo? You're a secret agent. It's like that. That I'm scene. waiting to kill someone it's like in the toilet. Scene. It's that scene in Toys where <laughs> <laughs> we always go back to Toys, where, where Patrick Zevo puts down those fake feet, and he's in the wrong stall because he's perching in the other stall. <laughs> oh, I remember that now. Yeah. Anyway, Next so <laughs> yeah, we're 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 moving on. We're moving on to number thirteen. Capcom Unity teams up with fans and musicians for Mega Man's 25th anniversary. Now you need to explain to people how great that is and why this is why this is so important. Well, Brandon, why don't you explain it? You fucking know. I don't know. Yeah, you do. I don't know anything about it. Why don't you talk about how hard up you are for Mega Man stuff? I mean, I love. Okay, well, here's the thing. Most major companies, when you when you try to make music or or basically, this is an entirely musical project. Yes. They sue the shit out of you. And Capcom is the only video game company for some reason who is allowing everyone to just make music um, and actually featuring them in albums. They're not the only ones, but they are definitely One the, of the relevant ones because I fucking love Mega Man music and who doesn't? The thing is, they don't just allow, they endorse. And that's the great thing about them. Um, we're living in kind of a, a Mega Man deficit right now. For some reason, there's no new Mega Man games. There's well, some Mighty, prominent ones Mighty that Mighty number nine, maybe at some point, will be out. Mighty number nine is not a Capcom product. It happens, I know, but you well, know, it's the guy, the it, dude. Yes, but I mean, as far as Capcom's concerned, there's no there's no Mega Man's coming out. Because they killed it. Well, they're going to, I mean, he's big. They're going to bring him back. Anyway, Capcom Unity, Capcom's branch in the United States, they full well know that we want Mega Man and we love Mega Man, and the Mega Man fans are ravenous. So they put together an awesome 25th anniversary project. Two brand new albums. One uh, is called For Everlasting Peace, 25 Years of Mega Man, which is an overclocked remix album. It's free online with tracks from all across uh, the whole Mega Man continuum. And then also Mega Man 25, Mega Man Rocks, which is a rock album featuring new and classic tracks from the Proto Man, Arm Cannon, the Megas, Mega Ran, X Hunters, and Bit Brigade. You did hear that, the Proto Man. Yeah, the Proto Man created a brand new track just for this record. On a Capcom album. On a Capcom album. And the other two tracks of theirs are rare or previously unreleased versions of those tracks. So uh, it's all exciting. And they're two phenomenal albums. This is put together by Capcom Unity's Brett Elston. And we talked to him and the Proto Man on our episode this year, Mighty Mega Men. And you should definitely check out that episode uh, where we talk about Mega Man and Mighty Number no. 9 at length. So two records of awesome Mega Man music fully endorsed by Capcom. Uh, you can't go wrong. We'll link to where you can pick that up on this episode's page. Moving right along to number 12, the Double Clicks new album, Lasers and Feelings. Now I need you because I've never heard the Double Clicks mm-hmm. because I'm, a dude, I'm not really a music nerd and I have to drink because I just said nerd and I have to do it twice because I just said it twice. Explain to me why this album is so important okay well um while i'm drinking my whiskey the double clicks are two sisters angela and aubrey weber they play cello and ukulele songs mostly talk about star trek dungeons and dragons mr darcy you know for all those jane austen nerds out there of which there are many and uh i'm sorry brandon <laughs> just drink the whole bottle right now no. chug 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 um <laughs> They've been at this for a while. They've been doing this for a number of years. But this record debuted at number seven on the Billboard comedy charts. 
Uh, number seven on actual billboards, not just yes. not just nerddom. Yes, that's a, like that's an that's an achievement for all of nerdy music. <laughs> what you picked the word, man? I'm about to get wasted. Yeah. I'm about to get annihilated. <laughs> I gotta go out later. This is completely self-inflicted, man. Yeah, anyway, this is your your decision. Gonna, I have to stick by my word. I said I would do it when you say that word, and I'm doing it. We're gonna have an intervention afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus perk. Um, <laughs> my teeth are kind of burning. <laughs> the double clicks. The music is is very good, and on this record is a is a very socially important song to all of Brandon. I mean, you maybe want to not say nerdy now, but I have to. So all of those kind of people. Which are us kind of people. Mm-hmm. Very important. It's okay. My, my face is numb now. You can say as many uh, n- times. N- nothing to prove is about, <laughs> is about the fake geek girl criticism and that, that, that bigotry, really, that, that's mm-hmm. out there in the world. And it's a beautiful song that's really uh, hard-hitting and, uh, and, and funny. And Would I personally like it? I don't see why not. All right, it's good um, enough for me. And it's got it has a music video that was um that was crowdsourced from a bunch of uh, female geeks out in the world, uh, and as well as celebrities. The video features uh, like comics writer Kelly Sue DeConnick, Amy Berg, John Scalzi, uh, the guy who wrote um, Old Man's War. Okay, uh, jo- Josh Kagan, Adam Savage, Pollen Storm, Will Wheaton, Marion Call, and a bunch of others. It's a really great video. We'll link to that also. Yeah, on I don't this care much page. for Will Wheaton. Either way, they got a very prominent celebrity <laughs> they did, to, to join them in this message and, uh, and a really fantastic song and video. So now we're going to play you that song, Nothing to Prove, with an introduction by Hex, who says, One of the saddest things about the nerd community is the boys club mentality. Nothing to Prove is an anthem fighting this epidemic. Oh, and we nailed it. That's the timer. Why does that song sound familiar? I don't know. It's, it's on all iPhones. It sounds like an Earthbound song. <laughs> Probably. Uh, anyway, so uh, so now we're going to play, just in time, uh, Nothing to Prove by the Double Clicks. It's one of the most important songs to come out this year, and definitely one of the most important songs to the nerd community at large. Drink. <laughs> Damn it. It hurts so good. I entered this scene through rejection and honesty. Nerds weren't mean, they were weird, and that worked for me after ten years of teasing. When social skills failed me, Dungeons and Dragons cured all that ailed me. We read books, we played games, we made art, we watched Lost, we said things like E20, shipping, and mana cost. It felt good to be myself, not being mocked, still self-conscious, though we whispered things about jocks. But one day you grow up, come into your own. Now geek's not rejection, it's a label I own. Then ignorant haters come to prove me wrong. Tell me I'm not nerdy enough to belong. I've got nothing to prove.
Twelve-year-old dorks would say you're being selfish And then they'd go write in their journals in Elfish my cheeks anymore like the inside not the outside the inside of my cheeks like i'm biting them and i can't feel them whiskey has killed my cheeks oh fuck hey whenever we on why are you doing this to yourself well right now we got to give some shout outs to some very awesome people nerdy show the show and the entire network are listener supported by you guys our beloved listeners and our new listeners as well so hello and welcome every month we take listener support and uh, we give back by sending out uh, awesome perks in the mail as well and, uh, and and you guys sometimes write us uh, awesome messages, help us meet our minimum goal every month, which is $300, and uh, and then sometimes even stretch goals, which unlock more perks than, that we send you in your email. Uh, Mauron contributed to us and said, cheap microsode on deck for someone, what, what? <laughs> so he basically, uh, he, he hit a $100 mark and, uh, and bequeathed the next um, episode to the next person to, uh, to support us. Bequeathed. He did bequeath all over your face. Um, and then Archaeus swooped in with a big donation saying, wishing you all a very merry, I got to break this down, mega, <laughs> me, mega lachonica crunch macawanza madon. Mus. Yeah, I can't pronounce that. I'm sorry. Mega lachonica crunch macawanza kadonmus. I'm very impressed with what you just said. My brain's trying to process that. Yeah, I don't even know what you just said. <laughs> I'm impressed. Thanks, Arceus. Thanks for Ar- another year of amazing entertainment, and thank you, Arceus. We should send out some of this salty licorice in little plastic bags, like just mail them to people. Oh, but they're not individually packaged, Brandon. I know, just put them in a Ziploc bag. You're going to be like the old woman giving kids apples with razor blades. <laughs> I'm going to mail them, though. It's the future. <laughs> mail that shit. Use a drone to deliver that shit. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Drones dropping apples with razor blades. Fuck that. That's how you deliver candy on the next Halloween. 
I just picture next Halloween you're going to go to people's houses and a drone's going to come down with a bowl of candy and then go back up into the darkness. It's going to be great. You could probably do that now with the AR drone. But it's not Halloween. You can do that with any number of drones. <laughs> just That's right. right. <laughs> Jessica, you do... Parallax qu- plug. You could do it with the parallax drones. Yeah. You carry more of a payload. 1.5 pounds. Ah. It's like Je- Jessica works for Parallax and they make quadricopters. What? Can you get us one? I will, I'll fly it to you. I will use it for only evil purposes. I would expect nothing less. Thank you. Okay, what were you saying, Cap? <laughs> we'll link to where you can pick up a parallax drone on this episode's page. <laughs> um, Hoodoo Voodoo wrote in and said, plus one for the new X-Files episode and mentioning Declassified, which is one of our older Nerdy Show episodes and one of my favorites that we've done, which has worked back into my rotation recently. In the spirit of giving, a random person should receive a microsode for this. So there was nothing but microsode generosity from some of our biggest contributors giving to the less fortunate this holiday season. Damn. Anik Zimmer said, to the holidays, you all take the cake for my best work listening material. Jeffrey Voss said, support for the solstice. Huzzah! Brent Bouchard said, Merry Xmas, Derpy Show, Dungeons Doritos, Wicked Anime, and Nerdy FM. Benjamin Britt wishes a happy new year. And Caitlin Kruger said, keeping it nerdy. I'm not, fuck. I really have to drink three shots, but I've decided when you say the name of like a program like Nerdy Show or Nerdy FM, I'm not going to take a drink. But you just said a regular one. I'll allow that. Okay. I'm going to. This one's for you, Caitlin. It was a little too much in that sip. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay. Keep going. And just towards the end of the month, we got a wave of awesome donations helping us meet our monthly goal. Five in one night. Girafago said, Happy Xmas, the futuristic kind with bars in the windows and a homicidal Santa robot. Hoodoo Voodoo contributed a second donation of the month and said, Pulling a Garrier. Happy holidays, everybody. Barry I said, Monthly donation of $5 plus a $20 holiday bonus. Love you guys so hard. And Barry I, wherever you are, perhaps you can feel the love beams radiating from my eyes, searching you out in a zigzag pattern like that wacky thing Darkseid does. Lawrence Honrick said, Thanks for another great year, guys. And Heavy Devil said, Thank you for another wonderful year of laughs. I haven't supported before. But for the joy you give all your listeners, thank you. And thank you, Heavy Devil, and everybody else who contributed to us this month. We hope you guys have all had a wonderful holiday season and have a great new year. Fun fact about Heavy Devil, he was actually the first person to order our brand new set of Dungeons & Doritos glasses online. There were purchases at Nerdapalooza, but he was the first to get himself a complete set online. It's three glasses featuring three of the characters from Dungeons & Doritos. Set one is VMAC, Chair, and Barty. It's the Frenemies set. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And set two, Love Triangle featuring Jamela, Jennifer, and Lefty, the Pirate Queen, is coming out early 2014. All the glasses feature new illustrations by our in-house illustrator, Tony Baldini. 
And you can check out more Dungeons and Doritos and Nerdy Show stuff over at the store. Because though donating to us is the most direct way to help out your old pal Nerdy Show, buying stuff from the store, and also buying things through our Amazon and iTunes links are other great ways to give back if you enjoy listening. So thanks again to everybody. He rocks so hard! Alright, so now on with the show. Picking up at number 11. The Dark Crystals fan-recreated director's cut. I saw about half of it before I had to leave. How was the rest of it? It was good. Explain to everyone what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Jim Henson and Frank Oz, when they made The Dark Crystal, they had a slightly different vision for it than the one that appeared in theaters. They uh, test screened it in front of some audiences, and that version was not really... Uh, it didn't gel with the average theater goer, so they had to go back and, and change it and make it a little bit more accessible. It was a first, the, the, the film. It, it was an all-puppet movie, completely alien. Everything was totally otherworldly. And it was, it was uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, an art film. But you release an art film with Hollywood money, you got to make that Hollywood money back. Mm-hmm. So this original version, it didn't have an inner monologue from Jen the Gelfling. There were no um, translations for the Skeksis. Right. Like, there's no subtitles. They're just, they're talking, and you just got to, you kind of see what they're doing. Yeah, no, no subs, no dubs. The Skeksis are just speaking in Skeksis and the it, entire time. It actually makes the movie incredibly dark, and it just it seems like a much more violent, dark, creepy movie than it ever did before. And when I when I was watching part of the re-edited version, I was like, "This is really fucking like like dark." I mean, I don't I don't know what other word to describe it. It was really it was like the dark crystal. It was kind of fucked <laughs> up. Like <laughs> the Skeksis are talking and they're just like dying and battling. You're like, "What's going on? This is fucked up." It's one of the coolest, most unique films ever made. It's definitely a nerdy <clears throat> film, and um, for the first time ever, we're seeing Henson and Oz's original vision for it. And and the, w- the way this works is, is that um, awesome dude Christopher Orgeron, after two years of work, recreated a test print on uh, Destructoid. A user named Ikoosha, uh, he or she saw one of these early test versions in theaters and took it upon uh, his or herself to track down a copy. What they found was a super rough black and white work print copy on VHS. Terrible video. Um, and uh, the audio kind of suffers throughout some of the movie yeah. during speaking well, parts. The, the audio on the work print was even worse than what you heard mm-hmm. on the version. Because to keep this version of Dark Crystal the most pristine uh, to what was intended, to keep the original audio for the different music cuts and uh, and the Skeksis and everything, the audio for this fan cut, director's cut, is um, a remastered version of the work print. So, so it's it, pretty rough. So it, it's a bit rough. It's pretty rough, but the most important part is that it is watchable, which the work print is not. And it's the original vision of what Jim Henson wanted. I mean, what you're going to be watching is what was supposed to be made in the first place. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, the, the title hmm. director's cut is subjective. It was The video itself is a recreation of the work print, shot for shot, note for note, beat for beat. And it was created by the director's. Ultimately, which would they prefer? You know, would they prefer to go back and have this be the version everybody saw, or would they prefer something between the two, the final version and this version of the film? Only Frank Oz can <clears> say at this point. I really like the the new re-edited version. I just wish that they would um I, I wish it gets better. Christopher's gotten a lot of traction from this. He was interviewed about it recently. Hopefully the um the Henson company will actually, you know, see the interest and and maybe make the materials available. To, in fact, release the director's cut version of Dark Crystal, like, fully remastered. I hope so. Because it is a, in my opinion, a superior cut of a brilliant film. Also, they should make more Farscape. Well, (laughs) 
Well, Brandon, uh, in addition to Dark Crystal having a prequel, whatever the, you're about the, uh, to tell me might either make me kill you or love you. Uh, so the, uh, speak carefully. Dark, Dark Crystal has a, a prequel comic, uh, which is one volume remaining to come out. It's by Brian Froud. It's really good. But Farscape is being continued in comic form in Yay. 2014. Well, my favorite thing was that they they have like a bird race on Farscape that shows up sometimes and they, the main character doesn't know what they're called. So he just calls them Skeksis because he's seen the Dark Crystal. Yeah, so that's pretty great. Uh, Archaea Publishing, who puts out the Dark Crystal book, they do a lot of work with the Hensons. They released Jim Henson's unfilmed movie, uh, A Tale of Sand, in comic book form, and it's brilliant. They've done some Labyrinth stuff in the past. This year's free comic book day offering from them is a small hardcover book, a free hardcover book at comic stores this May. You better get um, it. I'm, I'm gonna get it, uh, which <clears throat> comes with a new short Labyrinth story and a new Farscape story oh, reading into the Farscape comic book. You need to get me that because I'm gonna forget. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. fine. Anyway, right. look forward to that this May. Moving on. Moving on. <clears throat> Number 10. Number 10? We're halfway there and I'm losing my ability for speech. Cast AR. This now, is this is a true augmented reality device in the works. Yes, not uh, a fake Google virtual. glasses. Yes, and virtual reality. Years ago in our 2009 nerdy things, it was when augmented reality just started getting some traction and we listed augmented reality there, but it's kind of been uh, It's been vague. It's it's been a give and take really strange relationship with augmented reality and the consuming public these past few years but this one cast ar is a new milestone and jessica you've actually had hands-on with it yes yeah i got to uh use it at uh maker fair new york and it was absolutely incredible and mind-boggling the way it works is you get these these glasses and um there's two micro projectors on the glasses on each eye and so it's casting your view of the 3D image on the surface. And then when you add the virtual reality glasses, you're suddenly in this environment. You're still looking at this sheet of paper. So it uses this uh, retroreflective uh, sheeting that's similar to what you see on you know, clothing, like workers' clothing that reflects back at night. Mm. So you see the image and in, and in the virtual reality, you can actually turn your head and have the view of the playing field shift. So I was playing a, a shooter game. And so as I turned my head, I could like look around a corner or I could look up to see if somebody was around me or look kind of to the right or to the left. And the perspective would actually change with the way I rotated my head. So, not, was, so not only do you see something in the actual lenses, but it actually projects an image out of the glasses. Right. So you actually, yeah, you don't see in the lenses. The projectors are on the front of the lenses of the glasses. And so that's projecting out. And due to like the perceptions of vision and the way that your your eyes are, are playing with it is what's projected onto onto the map. So essentially, the cast AR gives you a situation where not only do you, the user, see something, but the people around you won't think that you're completely crazy because they'll also see something. Oh, so they can see their projections right. too. Yep. Because you're seeing stuff in the glasses, in the virtual reality of the glasses, and it's also transferring through to what the glasses so are projecting. everyone can see the projection. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But what if you walk around the projection and the, like, the view shifts? Do they see it shift? or they? It's mind-boggling to me how it works, but I guess I'd have to see it to believe it. And I believe it comes like preloaded with some kind of dungeoneering software. Yeah, so they have dungeon games. So actually there's um, another feature that they have is they have an RFID tracking map. So you can have, you know, figurines or, or other things. So one of their examples is the guy that invented it has been playing with the same D&D &D group since like the 1980s. <laughs> and they can make maps. So the dungeon master will have a wall tile and he can like put walls wherever he wants across the sheet. 
just by placing it and you'll see kind of the walls come up. And That's so the cool. dungeon master can make the map and then wherever you are playing, you could be in a different, you know, a different country or a different state. Uh, you can join the game and the characters can then see what you're doing with your figure. Like I will go into this door and play along with you. That's really cool. So it is cast AR. It was a very successful Kickstarter, but you, the consumer, can actually buy it right now outside the Kickstarter. And it's and it's higher up on the list because I think it's way more important right now than Google Glasses. It way is way more important. Yes. Oh yeah. And, and nerdier because it <laughs> it is ready for you to have potentially international and interactive Dungeons and Dragons campaign or whatever tabletop you want. Probably it is a super geek centric product. It is not just the tech that is. I'm going to say it, Brandon, that is nerdy, um, but it is, in fact, I mean, I haven't everything stopped about it. drinking. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even fun. You're not having a good time. I was. Yeah. I, now I just, I have to stay true to my word. Just keep going. Okay. Well, number nine, then. Fans push Nintendo to finally release Earthbound. How important is that to you, personally? I think it's a pretty big deal to Cap. It was it was a pretty big deal to cap, but that's not why it's on this list where it is. Why is it on this list? It's on this list because Earthbound has the most intense fan following of any video game ever. And fans have been trying for the last decade to convince Nintendo to release Earthbound or the previous game in the series, Earthbound Zero, or Mother 3, which came out afterwards, for years. And they've had some of the most intense drives to get this company to release a game that's that's ever happened. They've been they've had call-ins, they've had mail-ins all these kind of coordinated events and though some of them have come close to making a dent none of them have actually garnered enough attention from nintendo that they've actually released earthbound now is this nintendo of america or just nintendo in general mostly nintendo of america because nintendo so reggie <laughs> not specifically reggie flees and me but oh, it's reggie uh nintendo in japan has had mother 2 aka earthbound released on the virtual console for forever and they've, they have no shortage of earthbound over in japan it's the united states that's the problem and um i mean earthbound itself is a fantastic game it's a sci-fi it's one of the best games i've ever played uh, yeah it, it's it's a it's a sci-fi comedy rpg it's a very postmodern game it's got lots of pop culture influences it's extremely unique so it is a game that if you haven't played you need to play and old school fans want everybody to be able to play earthbound it's, it's got the blues brothers in it you can't go wrong <laughs> yeah. so they um finally released earthbound and they did it because of response from fans because fans use a nintendo's new social software against them basically which basically blew up um, um i've seen it on on the wii u and it's pretty it, amazing uh yeah wii u and now 3ds has this uh, thing called meverse which is basically an internal social networking board for all of the games that nintendo puts out and it's international so you can switch from the american boards over to the japanese boards you might not understand anything that's happening there but you can actually <laughs> interact with them so all the american fans went over to the japanese boards to the mother two boards and posted about how much they wanted earthbound release and it happened oh there were just pictures and fan art all over the board yeah it was it was incredible it was the outpouring that starman.net and fangamer had been coordinating over the years forever and then there it was you know like right in nintendo's face and they did something about it so if the wii u was not out would you say that this might not have happened yeah i don't think it would have happened okay so that's the um, importance of this system <laughs> uh, iwata in one of the nintendo direct announcements earlier this year i mean when he announced earthbound was coming out he said specifically here's all the fan response that we saw so it's coming to america that's pretty great yeah so now that that's out when are we going to see terranigma <laughs> hopefully sooner it's than already later. fucking translated terranigma would be would be amazing and Though the release of the game is extremely important, one of the nerdiest things about it that we've sort of sandwiched into this place on um, on the top 20 list is Fangamer's Earthbound Bash. 
and this was basically the after party to a decade-long struggle to get this game released, and it was incredible. It was a three-day-long event. They had live music by the Super, by the Super Soul Brothers throughout. They ate Earthbound foods. They had actual fuzzy pickles, strawberry tofu, and trout yogurt, and they ate burgers <laughs> from a trash can. That is fucking disgusting, and I love it, and I wish I was there, and we should have gone. I would love to have gone. I mean, unfortunately, it was uh, in the That year. would have been like your lifelong dream. Why oh, did you I, not go? There was many opportunities to even Skype in, but it just, I mean, hey. You should have canceled everything in your life to do that. It was the end of the year. It was nuts. So Fuck. I would have, it was dying on the inside, not being a part of it, but. Sorry, Kat. Yeah, I, I know I, much that would have meant to you. I, I'm sorry too, man. But hey, it this was, is why I drink. <laughs> uh, Marcus uh, Lindblom, one of the original localizers that developed Earthbound in America, was actually there playing the game for the first time since he localized it 20 years ago. <laughs> Wow. Um, I bet he got killed pretty quickly. <laughs> it was the first time he'd played the game that it wasn't broken, you know, because... <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, they had a bunch of charity auctions, including a complete Earthbound set autographed by the creator, Shigesato Itoi. So um, you're really upset that you didn't go. They raised over $23,000 for charity That's pretty during good. this event. I hope it was for a video game related charity. Um, no, it was for a um, charity that actually means something. It was... Uh, Birds? A, it was Speak Your Silence, which is a sexual abuse charity. Okay. I like birds. We all know you like birds, Brandon. <laughs> birds need money. They can't get jobs because it's illegal. Well, that's why you need to have a Pilot Wings charity Let's Play oh, and give all idea. your money to birds. <laughs> that's a fucking great idea. While I'm drunk, that's a great idea. <laughs> all right, next number. Let's move on. All right, number eight. The X-Files continued in season 10. I haven't read it yet, but I imagine it's pretty great. Well, it is It is pretty great. Our previous episode of Nerdy Show was um, dedicated to it, actually. We interviewed the X-Files series creator, Chris Carter, and the X-Files season 10 series writer, Joe Harris, about the project. Uh, so far, they've got one volume that's, that's out right now. The series is ongoing, and it does directly continue the X-Files series. And, I mean, that's that's important because... Have you read it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It, it picks the uh, the X Files myth arc up right away. It has like fan favorite characters in it. It feels real. It feels like the X Files. Uh, and, and although the X Files is pretty old at this point, it is is an incredible masterpiece. When you look back at what it did for like an entire generation, it's an incredible show. Yeah. If you go back and watch it now, so the fact that it's continuing is a pretty big deal. Yeah, because there's lots of unanswered questions. It's pretty phenomenal. Now we were talking with Chris Carter and and Joe Harris. What we learned is that basically Carter, who's executive producing the comic series and co-writing some elements of it, he doesn't necessarily feel that it's 100% canonical because he's prepared for it to not fit in with something should he ever do more X-Files. Mm. And so that's that's kind of weird because that's the opposite stance that, uh, say, Joss Whedon has when he does Buffy season eight, season nine, and now recently announced season 10 <laughs> um, in comic form. They're legit canonical continuations of the series. And Carter's saying, well, this is kind of in its own universe. But Joe Harris is saying, well, it might be, except that Chris Carter's, you know, telling me stuff about what's going to happen and what he wants to have happen in X-Files should it continue. And he's I'm, writing that into it anyway. Right. So. So I think he's ultimately going to feel pretty good about the project. And from Harris's perspective, he's like, I'm going to make this work. So the, the book's great. It picks up loose threads from the series that, that needed like uh, some following up on, like how um, Fluke Man, you know, the leech parasite humanoid creature from the sewers, hmm. how that case file, like they had evidence of him, but they weren't ever able to um, pick up on that thread. You know, like we collected half a torso of a Fluke Man, you know, why hasn't it been dissected? And the reason was that, or that Harris sort of, not exactly retconned, but made work was that, well, shortly after that, the X-Files were actually closed down. So that case file was never reopened. Does the comic still have Agent Doggett? 
Yes. Because I don't remember what happened to him in the series at all. Doggett and Reyes are in the comic. Oh, okay, cool. They're, I mean, they were had a brief appearance in the first story arc, and there's probably going to be more of them later, because Doggett does also have um, extra plot threads that need tied up. We never found out what happened to his kid. So uh, That's true. I forgot all about that. Wow. I need to go back and watch that series. Yeah. So it's, it's fantastic. X-Files Season 10 will link to where you can check it out, and also to where you can listen to our interview with Chris Carter and Joe Harris. Everything's spinning slightly. Just letting you know. Just getting an update that uh, the posters you have on your wall are somewhat sideways and hard to read. <laughs> Number seven, Superman memory crystals redefine data storage. Talk to me about this. You know, the Superman films or comics, they've got those uh, sunstone crystals, also called memory crystals, that basically you, you plug it into a bunch of other crystals and all of a sudden Jor-El's talking to you and being all like, my it's son. Like, it's Kryptonian I sent technology. you across the stars. You know, like... Yes. And he sounds drunk, too. Yes. I, 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 I sent like, you away. You're going to live with your mother now. <laughs> On Earth. <laughs> so um, we've made that. Not a crystal shard exactly that plugs in other crystal shards, but um, a 5D nanostructured quartz glass optical memory. How much does it hold? I heard uh, a lot. Tera, tera, terabytes. T- 1,000 times like 1,000 terabytes. Well, well, what I read was that it can currently store 360 terabytes. That's pretty good. The important thing is not the size, but how long it lasts, because it can store it for more than a million years. <laughs> We're going to be dead way before there as a species. See, current hard drives last about a, a decade before data loss starts to occur. So for the first time ever, we've actually created digital information that could potentially outlast the human race and secure our place in the cosmos. See, the thing, the, the reason I, I sort of contested this on the list is because MIT's been working on these data crystals for like since the 90s. And I don't know what happened to it. Obviously, they just figured it out. So it took them about 20 years to develop these data crystals. This is developed by mm-hmm. uh, the University of Southampton and Eindhoven University of Technology. Oh, um, MIT's rolling in their grave right now. And they successfully did it. I mean, they, they stored a file on one of these things. It looks like this could be, you know, so this, the could, next, this could be it. The next gen consoles in 10 years will all be using data crystals. Let's hope. You're going to have a game that's 100 terabytes. That'll <laughs> last for a million years. I like that. Let's talk technical. Like, let's talk how this works exactly. And this is going to be really complicated, so I'm just going to I'm just going to read it straight. What does it have to do with with the facets or the refractions in the crystal? We'll, we'll, we'll get into this. Uh, this okay. is I'm reading straight from Kurzweil AI. Using a high speed femtosecond laser, data is written on self assembled nanostructures created in fused quartz and stored in five dimensions, size and orientation, in addition to the three dimensional position on the nanostructured material. Each disc has three layers of nanostructured dots, with dots separated by five microns. The self-assembled nanostructures change the way light travels through glass, modifying polarization of light that can then be read by a combination of optical microscopes uh, and a polarizer similar to that found in Polaroid sunglasses. The disc has thermal stability of up to 1,000 Celsius and practically unlimited lifetime. As a test, a 300 kilobyte digital copy of a text file was successfully recorded. A laser scanning device similar to the one used to read a CD, DVD, or Blu-ray is used to read the discs. I don't understand anything that you just said, but I'm a bit wet. (laughs) So it was good. It was good for me. Well, good. Okay. Number six, the band Chamber Band and their album Deities. See, I don't know about them. So you have to explain to me why they're better than Data Crystals. Well, they're new on the scene. And this is part of the stacking of awesomeness, of nerdiness on this list. These guys are a folk rock band that performs storytelling kind of music about tabletop role-playing. It's about uh, medieval fantasy settings and all that, but with elements, deities, item types, and all that from tabletop role-playing. 
So uh, it's good. It's extremely good. Here's the thing. With nerdy music, there's a lot of uh, opportunity for the novelty of the content to outweigh the quality of the music and how universal the themes are or whatever. But in this case, these guys are brilliant musicians. Their music is really good. It is just playing a good album. It is a good music album. It doesn't matter that it's nerdy content or not. It is a fantastic album. I compare them to the Decemberists and how they're like a folk style storytelling kind of prog rock sort of feel. And it's one of my favorite records out of all the music I've heard this year that came out this year. Um, Better than Empire of the Sun. Yes, personally. <sighs> what? I like the new Empire of the Sun record, but Deities was a fresher, more innovative record. I'll have it. to get it. And they also recently created an 8-bit version of the album called Bit Pantheon. That's just It's a chiptunes remix of the entire album. So to better illustrate the quality of Chamber Band and why they rock so hard, we're going to play a track from them. First, I also want to mention that uh, some of their tracks are actually going to be played on the debut episode of the next book of Dungeons & Doritos. So uh, coming out, uh, I think I believe in January, it, Dungeons & Doritos Book 3 is going to start, and, and it will be some music from Chamber Band. This song is called Shapeshifter, and it really exhibits the narrative qualities and the awesome musicianship of Chamber Band. So uh, hope you guys like it, and if you do, let us know on this episode's page. Oh, well, I don't know what I should do I don't know my own heart I don't fit in my skin I feel so skewed She says she loves me Why is she asking me to change? In familiar form Into size like my own into a beastly shape And I was the raven who scouted her skies
are back with the home stretch. We're up to number five. And I'm, I'm having trouble comprehending where I am and who I am and what I'm doing. And everything's... Is the new game going to see, uh, see if Brandon's going to pass out before this episode's over? I'm going to make it. I've got errands to do later. I can't pass out. <laughs> you have just screwed your whole day. No, shut up. I've yeah, got to stay out. It's done. I have to do stuff really late, and then I've got to get up really I'm... early for work. It's five o'clock somewhere. Shut up. You're an alcoholic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's number five? Number five is Brian Wood's Star Wars. This is a comic book. It's just called Star Wars. And um, it's the Star Wars comic book you've been waiting your whole life for. Now, since Dark Horse got the license to do Star Wars comics back in the 90s, there's been no shortage of Star Wars comics. There's a there's bunch like of them. hundreds. Yeah, literally. All over the Star Wars canon. Before the original trilogy, for the prequels, during very far afterwards, uh, tying in with so many different elements of continuity. And, and, you know, we have a Star Wars speculation podcast called State of the Empire. On that, our primary like Star Wars expert, Matt Spill, has, uh, has recently said that it feels like the expanded universe is over. It hit a point where it had just gone too far. And now that the, um, the series is being continued in film it seems like maybe a lot of that's going to be disavowed anyway because george lucas was certainly disavowing enough of it via the clone wars animated series to begin with what a dick so it's kind of time for a fresh start for star wars and that's where brian wood's comic comes in this takes place maybe weeks after the um destruction of the first death star so we're seeing classic star wars but we're seeing stuff that we've never seen before uh, in a way, we've never seen it before. It has that same vibrant energy. And the, what he said is the way he writes it is though, I'm sure he takes into consideration like making sure that his book doesn't really directly contradict anything that's tremendously important or anything like that. But he's more or less pretending the, the original Star Wars, A New Hope, just came out. No other films have been made. This is what happens next. So it takes place in between um, A New Hope and Empire? Yes. Okay. Um, is Jar Jar in it anywhere? Why would he? Why would he be in it? I don't know, man. That's why I'm asking you. No, man. I'm not. I'm not buying no, it if is, he's in it. This is all about Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, the droids. Mon Mothma's in there. Wedge. No Queen Amidala. No shitty Gungans. No. No fuck this, pod races. This is about classic Star Wars, man. Good, and it's awesome. There's uh, there's new characters. There's fan favorite old characters. Boba I mean, Fett. There's all. Oh, there's Boba Fett. Boba Fett. They, they had a uh, a short free comic book day issue and. It's one of the best short Star Wars comics you're ever going to read. It was incredible. Brian Wood has a knack for doing the Star Wars universe, and he's known for writing um, comics that have a certain amount of uh, political intrigue, uh, rebellion, insurgencies, that kind of stuff, uh, highlighted in his comic DMZ, which is a a graphic novel series that's uh, concluded not too very long ago. And so he's taking that and putting it towards the Rebel Alliance. And uh, we're seeing the Rebels, you know, they lost their home base. They had a big victory. But the Empire is still there, still, still there, fucking shit up, really mad at them. <laughs> and so so they're they're on the run. They're trying to find a new home base. Han and Chewie are running missions for the rebellion. Luke and Wedge are doing like covert missions. It's like a real rebellion. It's the Star Wars rebellion for real, dudes. I might have to actually read that. And you know how rare it is for me to read things. So. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but there's pictures. Oh, yeah, shit, I forgot. Comics have pictures. I'm there. I'm done. Good. <laughs> Finish that shit. Bam. It's a fantastic book. Volume one's out uh, right now. Volume two comes out in, I think, April. And we'll have links to where you can pick them up or pre-order them on this episode's page. And if you want to hear more about Star Wars, then you should check out State of the Empire, our Star Wars speculation podcast. And that's the timer. But you don't have to take his word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Bat Kid. Restoring faith in the human race. I didn't even um, hear about this like two weeks restoring ago. restoring faith in Batman. So a dying kid gets his wish, 
changes the city into Gotham, affects nerd culture, which now I have to drink, but because he's dying. Uh, and, then he, and then subsequently, he is now living. He is alive. He is not dying. Kill children don't have to die. I, I learned that recently. What? I thought they had to. And it's like, well, you're going to die. We're going to do whatever you want. And like it this blew no, out of proportion. It's like, it's like super, super sick. So. Well, that's not fair like, to the kids. Kids that have leukemia, but then they, you know, get the bone marrow transplant and then they're better. Well, then the other kids who are actually dying must feel like shit that he got to do all this cool stuff and then he's going to live anyway. That sucks. Here's what happened in short. Five-year-old Miles Scott. He's been battling leukemia since he was 18 months old. He's only just gone into remission like about the same time this bad kid thing happened happened to begin with he had a make a wish foundation wish to be batman for a day and so make a wish foundation's plan was uh we'll we'll do this thing we'll get some volunteers uh we'll sort of transform san francisco into gotham and that sounds like a big thing but it wasn't meant to be you know go too far they uh don't usually put out an open call for volunteers but they did this time and the response was insane that shit blew up it did And, and here's why this is on this list here's why it's it's nerdy it's because People love Batman. Like, that's like, Miles got his wish, and that's super cool. Ultimately, all of this is because people really love Batman. They say, like, well, I can help a kid, and I love Batman. They arrested the Riddler. Yeah. The actual chief mm-hmm. of police came in and, like, thanked him and, like, recorded stuff on vid screens. President Obama thanked the kid. Did he? He did. He recorded, what? He recorded a right. Vine. That. That's fucking great. Yeah. President Obama hopped on Vine and said, great job, Miles. You saved the city. <laughs> wow. Wow, and then there was an actual Batman there, and it was pretty great. Wasn't yeah. there a Batmobile or something? There, there was uh, someone donated a Lamborghini, which they customized into a Batmobile. Yes. Jesus fuck! Someone make me dying real quick. So and there, I can get there cool were stuff. crowds of well, thousands. Keep drinking. I think it'll uh, it'll yeah. work out for you. No, they'll just give me a new liver. What I think is funny about this is that there's so many, um, you know, like plots on animated television series. that will be like about a Make a Wish Foundation thing getting out of hand or something. It's never really happened before. But this time it totally yeah, did. I don't, I don't think yeah. you understand. Like people won't understand the scope of this unless they see like the video and the clips online because it's it's pretty crazy how big it got. And they just had people dressed up as villains and people dressed up as heroes, and it was just pretty great. The police got involved. Well, they just set down. I mean, they shut down like the entire Embarcadero Street, which if you've been to San Francisco with in the financial district is like the largest touristy and a very heavily <laughs> yeah. trafficked area for three hours just to reenact this for this kid. Yeah, yeah. It looks like there's something to the tune of uh, $100,000 to uh, reimburse the city of San Francisco for this to begin with. Yeah. Oh, just for shutting down that one street? Yeah. It's funny because that Lamborghini costs more than that anyway. <laughs> whatever <laughs> they just sell the fucking lamborghini <laughs> one thing about about this whole sensational thing is there's actually a washington post article not too long ago of a, a guy who's basically like hey you know how much you guys like this uh, you should feel bad about it because the average make-a-wish foundation cost of uh fulfilling a child's wish is seven thousand five hundred dollars and that equates to actually saving people's lives in uh if you're taking care of people in impoverished countries or even within our own country. Uh, and so, you know, the the, uh, the the spectacle of this Batman thing, it might be... But I thought it was mostly on the burden of volunteers. Like, they didn't put that much money into it. All the volunteers were like, we're going to do this. And the police said they were going to do it. Yeah. Oh, my God. You cut me <laughs> yeah. off. You bitch. Right. Well, they were going to pay for the whole thing. Obviously, if you ask for volunteers and the police decide to join up, they're going to do shit. I, I'm not sure how it's broken down. I don't know that Make-A-Wish Foundation, like, broke the bank to do this. But it was, it was, quite, it was quite the spectacle. But... Uh, you know, Miles had a great day and he survived cancer. So that's pretty cool. And millions <laughs> of kids in Africa apparently died for it. Thanks. But, <laughs> but why is it on this list? Because because people love Batman. Yeah, that's people, it. Fuck everything else. People love Batman. People that's why it's here. really love Batman. 
And this this only blew out of proportion because it was Batman. If it was Spider Man, no one would give a fuck. Um, people, nobody would give a fuck about Spider Man. Spider Man versus Batman. Come on, more people in the general public give a fuck about Batman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, than Spider Man, but Spider Man. People do love Spider-Man, They dude. wouldn't I have think, shut down a city for Spider-Man. I think you're underestimating saying. the appeal of Spider-Man. I think exactly. Spider-Man might be more expensive because trying to do the whole web-slinging thing would be uh, <laughs> You just end up dying anyway. Yeah, you hit some acrobat problems for sure. All right, number whatever. Number three, the first government-recognized cyborg. This Which is, government? Uh, well, predominantly the UK, but technically all governments. The first <laughs> prime minister cyborg. This guy's name is Neil Harbison. And um, his UK passport shows him wearing his custom augmentation, the iBorg. What is the iBorg? Well, Neil was born without the ability to perceive color. So he co-created the iBorg, which hangs in front of his face, kind of like a, like a quail feather almost. And, Keep going. <laughs> and, uh, and it does um, it actually like hook into his eye socket. Uh, n- no, no, it, it mm. actually goes to the back of his head and converts colors around him into sound waves, which are transmitted to his inner ear via a bone conduction device on the back of his head. What? what how does he perceive colors sound? Because he it's ha- a whole different way of thinking. I can't comprehend. Well, exactly. That's what makes him so unique because that's the whole thing about uh, so a specific sound wave. He knows the object he's looking at is green because he feels it because he can hear it. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. personally identifies with the color green in a way that neither you nor I like emotionally because yeah. he can hear the color in, in, in a different way, in a way that no one ever has been able to before. That is some weird existential shit where he can like he can hear and experience color. And and that's part of the core experience of being a cyborg is that you're augmenting the fundamentals of the human experience itself. Well, now Um, I feel worthless. I want to be a cyborg, too. Well, (laughs) that's not fair. I mean, it is, but, you know. Well, I mean, he's taking something that was a disability. Hold on. I'm going to work on getting me a cyborg liver. Give me a sec. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be the next cyborg. Ugh. His thing was was a disability, but, you know, certainly you can augment yourself with your own iborg if you want to. He's been using it for so long, he actually dreams in his version of colors now. Interesting. And so I wonder, so if people have favorite color, is his favorite color the one that sounds the best then? It is, actually. Like, oh, this, Interesting. this sound is pleasing. Uh, there's a video that we'll post on this episode's page where he talks about the experience, and he was saying that the, uh, the colors of nature actually aren't as inspiring as, um, as he would have expected them to be. <laughs> uh, he prefers the colors of a supermarket. <laughs> what? Interesting. Clearly, he needs to fine-tune that shit. (laughs) But did he choose the frequencies? I mean, so how did he determine what frequency, what color would resonate at? I'm not sure. He goes into it a little bit in the video, but um, but as to, like, how he determined, you know, where the sounds would fall in the sound spectrum... I'm not sure. It seems like it could be kind of arbitrary. Like he could make the, he, he might could have, make nature sound. He might have correlated um, like the sound wavelengths to the actual light wavelengths that colors make, like in a rainbow. How there's different tiers, yeah, and like octaves of sound. That is a factor. Yeah, there, it could be. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm just guessing because I'm a drunk guy. But uh, he he actually runs the Cyborg Foundation. It helps with uh, cyborgs keeping their rights and everything. Can and, cyborgs um, get married legally? <laughs> It depends on if they're boy cyborgs and, uh, and you know, oh, a man. couple this of boy This is a whole new complicated issue for our generation I didn't think we would have to deal with. <laughs> well, fortunately... Wait, let's ask God. <laughs> uh, God said no. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> uh, I mean, fortunately, he already has, a, you know, a UK passport, so he's 
recognized. But um, if he comes to America, he's probably a criminal for being a cyborg. If they took the eyeborg away, it would be like taking away one of his actual eyes or a limb. So this is a it's a new that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So if someone dismembers like that takes that machine away. It's a really heavy duty crime because that's how he sees. Yeah, that's pretty fucked it, up. Yeah. So so it's it's part of his human rights or his augmented human rights so it, right. it's, a, it's a very 21st century issue and it's really cool that it's actually happening he like whereas we had google glass on the thing we had drones neil is actually the cyborg. the living walking future right there at the top of our list oh man i can't wait i can't wait for other cyborgs like arms and shit there's there's way more information at the cyborg foundation and different kinds of augmentations all right numero two number two we've gone on about it all year long ever since it came out it's pacific rim specific rim metal gear creator Hideo kojima personally endorsed this movie as the movie fans of giant monsters and or robots have been waiting for their whole lives and charlie day <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> directed by guillermo del toro written by travis beecham with guillermo del toro which we interviewed travis beecham we did He's pretty um, awesome dude yeah he is and we'll link to where you can listen to that interview on this episode's page this movie there's a reason it's at the practically the top of the list. It's a major Hollywood motion picture. It's got all the bells and whistles of a summer blockbuster, but it doesn't treat you like an asshole. It's created by two really nerdy dudes who took a really nerdy idea and actually got it produced into this mega million dollar special effects feast. It's a kick-ass movie in 3D, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it, go out and see it. Don't think, oh, it's just a bunch of shit punching each other. I mean, it is that. But I mean, on, honestly, if but you're who doesn't love that, too? yeah, I if, mean, if, come on. if you're listening to this episode and you haven't seen Pacific Rim, what you're supposed to do is shut the fucking episode off and just download the shit because it's not in theaters anymore, probably. And you can, watch we can it. buy it. Yeah, buy that. Yeah, that's right. Buy the shit through the Amazon store through our link. So we get some money. Watch Pacific Rim because you owe it to yourself. And if you don't watch Pacific Rim, fuck you. There's world building like they've created a realistic world in which giant monsters and robots fighting, you know, makes relative sense. And the actual world itself coping with that reality is fascinating. That's one of the things they're going to explore more should there be a sequel. And Ron Perlman's in it. Yep. Perlman. Ron Perlman. Sorry. <laughs> slurring a bit. Ron Perlman. <laughs> Ron Perlman's in it. <laughs> I, there's not much more that we could say about Pacific Rim that we haven't said in the past, but essentially it's an extremely, extremely nerdy film. It's a lot of fun. It It's a, it's my favorite movie of the year. Is it your favorite movie of the year, Brandon? Well, yeah, but only because there's not another Fifth Element or a sequel to Legend of the Guardians. So, yes. Mm. Well, duh. Oh, God. That's highly fucking entertaining, and it really covers all the bases that I wanted in a fucking kaiju movie. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to say the ending got kind of cheesy for me, but other than that, I thought it was good. But it's a great kaiju they film. Had, they went through, like, the dimensional portal into the alien world was kind of... Spoilers! Mm. Whatever. <laughs> I just say spoilers a lot. Hey, Jessica, you know what's gonna happen next? What? Now that they, uh, the aliens got exploded by a, by, the nukes. By, by a Jaeger robot, they're <laughs> like, oh shit, our genetically engineered monsters aren't good enough, so they're gonna send back a robot monster hybrid. Is this yeah. actually happening? Oh yeah, Del Toro said that. Wait, is another movie or a series? That because um, I remember there are talks of a series. If Pacific Rim Two happens, that's going to happen. Then. Oh fuck! Whoa. I mean now, but now that's the ultimate spoiler because now I know what's going to happen in the second movie, so I don't even have to see it. Um, well, you don't, you don't know how awesome it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, I suppose. All right, are we on to numero uno? Numero uno. The number one that I disagree with because it should have been bird related is astronaut Chris Hadfield performs space oddity in space. Actually, yeah, I can't I can't contest that. I have to say that was that was pretty much that should have gotten number one. 
I had the thought of um, when I was thinking about this being number one, that ultimately, as long as we continue pushing into outer space, this was going to happen sooner or later. Mm-hmm. But the way it did happen was actually the nerdiest conceivable way. It's the it, right time now, yeah. given the Internet and, you know, all of our social media stuff that it had to happen now. It couldn't have probably happened earlier. Uh, Chris Hadfield is actually the commander of the International Space Station, or he was when uh, when he recorded this. They um, fired him right afterwards. Well, he, it was, I believe it was uh, the video was released on his last day as commander. He had a tenure there. He's spent a lot of time in space. He's done some spacewalks, and he's a pretty good singer, apparently. <laughs> well, he's a phenomenal advocate for space. He, uh, he does all kinds of like uh, Reddits, and uh, he has a Twitter that's very active. He's an astronaut personality celebrity, and now that the video has gone to however many millions of views, even more so. And the, the thing you have to realize is that when you watch this video, not only is the song amazing because it's, you know, Space Oddity, Odyssey, um, Oddity, sorry, sorry, I can't speak right now, shut up. I know you've been through a lot. Space Oddity, <laughs> but the floating he's doing is real. He is not on the Earth. You're watching this man perform this song, and he's not anywhere on the Earth. He is in space, floating on a space station. It's fucking amazing. It's not special effects. It's not Hollywood. It's real. And it just blows your mind when you realize this is actually happening. This is not like any sort of fakeness to it. And you have to think, I mean, how difficult would it be to continue playing guitar as, you know, you're just like weightless and you're changing position. And if you're like upside down and the blood rushing to your head while you're trying to (laughs) sing would just be uh, kind of of difficult, I would imagine. And your lungs don't work that well in space because they kind of atrophy a bit. So it's like when he's singing and he has all that breath, like it takes a lot of work. Well, I I don't don't really even know. I mean, does the blood rush to your head? There's no gravity. I don't know. But your muscles atrophy and your lungs don't work as well as they do on Earth. There's there's many complications. I'm sure it was strange. Um, What I learned that I didn't know that for some reason, I don't think has been as, as widely publicized as it ought to have been. If this information is true, it's not only the first performance of Space Oddity in space, it's actually the first song ever recorded in space. Ah, he beat Lady Gaga. Ah. Screw you, whore. (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, she's going in space to record a song. Did you know that? No, I didn't know She's launching herself on, like, SpaceX or something to record the first song in space, but it's like, she was just beaten, so whatever. (laughs) But people will remember her because she's Lady Gaga, and it pisses me off. I don't know. This guy's got so many YouTube views. I don't, I'm not sure she can compete with him. But, yes, she's going to space to do the same thing that he did. Well, whatever. He won. Yes. He I won. Hope so. David Bowie retweeted him. Um, oh, good. I didn't. I wasn't sure that David Bowie responded. He, he hasn't had much of an official response. He said he he has to at least be in awe of what happened. Yeah, I mean he's he's probably jealous. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> why couldn't I do that? <laughs> I'm fucking jealous. <laughs> and it occurs to me also that it's the most perfect and appropriate cover ever recorded. Hadfield, he changed some of the lyrics around so it was less, you know, less disastrous and more, you know, pro-space because space oddity is pretty bleak. Um, (laughs) But uh, but the fact that, you know, taking a song like that, that's been so powerful in pop culture and nerd culture for so long and bring it to its logical conclusion like that. It just, it doesn't get more appropriate than that. And no one else can cover the song now because he kind of set the bar. If anyone else covers it and they're not in space, they're just going to look like a fucking idiot. So <laughs> now someone has to record it in space or like further out. Yeah, the moon. Next, yeah, the moon. next is the on moon. On the moon. Yeah. Maybe Bowie will do it on the moon. <laughs> I'm going to one-up him <laughs> to the moon with my spaceship. 
<laughs> That's why he's been so silent. He's planning that trip. <laughs> he's building the <laughs> Bowie the ship. <laughs> <laughs> to the Bowie sphere. <laughs> <laughs> so our number one, it's not just a nerdy event for the year. Really, it's a nerdy event for the history books. You said it twice. I said it twice. Yeah. One big final gulp for the episode. Though I may say that word again uh, as we're signing off. Uh-huh. So that has been our top 20 nerdy things of 2013. I'm not drinking anymore. Fuck you. You don't have to. Okay. I didn't want you to do it anyway. I'm done. <laughs> I'm sorry. I made it through most of the episode. I'm done. You're so brave. I'm crying. <laughs> My tears burn because they're filled with like ethanol or something. <laughs> um, it's been a heck of a year. Lots of crazy stuff for Nerdy Show and and all of our various affiliates uh if you're tuning in for the first time hope you enjoyed the episode and i wanted to say that obviously our our top 20 list is probably not going to match your top top 20 list but that's why we're making it and you're not it's, it's a top it's, it's opinionated we're making it for ourselves it's, it's a top 20 nerdy things of the year it's it's very arbitrary it's very strange but if you think we missed anything we want to hear from you comment on this episode's page uh shoot us a you know a tweet or comment on the forums and if you like the list please share it around we got some cool stuff coming up next week. We're going to be putting out our uh, new episode of Nerdy Show Book Club, where we talk to Michael Grant, one of the two authors of The Animorphs. He and K.A. Applegate such uh, a cool dude. wrote the series back yeah. in the day. Yeah, uh, actually, all, all three of us here on this episode are on that episode as well. And um, uh, he tells us some amazing stories and talks about his new books, which are pretty awesome, uh, especially Berserk, which I can't recommend highly enough. So that's coming up next. Uh, you may have noticed that Nerdy Show's release schedule isn't exactly as weekly as it used to be. You know, we're still a weekly podcast, but maybe the Nerdy Show show will not be uh, weekly just so we can take the extra time needed to do uh, more of the projects that we're working on. So we might publish Nerdy Show itself every other week, but then in the interim, we'll have an episode of Dungeons and Doritos on Microsoft. There will be something about every week, um, but so much more planned for January, uh, including probably pretty soon we're going to release our first video games episode. Not our fir- <laughs> not our first video games <laughs> episode, uh, an episode about our first video game experiences. Which uh, has been in the making for quite some yeah, time. Yeah, we've been recording it for well over a year at this point, I think. Um, we've been talking to every guest we've had on the show and getting their experiences. This is a, um, a Microsoft request from a Nerdy Show listener who actually like tripled his topic request. So we put together this kind of massive episode. <laughs> He's been um, waiting a year for this. Uh, I hope he enjoys it. So that's going to be coming out soon and lots more coming up uh, in the new year. Something I've mentioned in the past is that uh, we're going to have a nerdy show poll, a user poll soon. And uh, whether you're a new listener or a longtime listener, we do want to hear from you. I don't know that it will be out by the time this episode comes out, but definitely keep an eye out for it. We want to improve the Nerdy Show Network. We want to improve your listening experience. We want to make more of the content you want to listen to. And we want to know how and what other kinds of content you would be interested in. So um, in order for us to aptly learn all that, we've created a poll that will be published very shortly where you can share your comments about the entire network, specific shows, and more. I have a poll for you. Oh. Specifically. It's my penis. Nice. <laughs> all right. That's all, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. You can continue now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, on that note, thank you so much for listening. Taking us out, we have a, a track. We've, we've played it before, but let's be honest, it has to be played again. This is from Mega Man 25, Mega Man Rocks, and it's the brand new Proto Men track. It's not from Act 3. They're it's f- an independent, it's, completely different song. Yes, it's a it's completely independent of Act 3. Uh, this is just about, it's about Mega Man. It's not about their version of Mega Man. It's called Built to Last, and it kicks so much ass as only the Proto Men could do. <laughs> so what better way to end out the year than a phenomenal new track from the Proto Men? Thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm a drunk Brandon. <laughs> Bye, I'm Jess. Have a happy new year, guys, and we'll see you in 2014. Drink responsibly.
Thank you. Thanks. Res- responsibly. Responsibly. Bye. I'm done. <laughs>
you. Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. We mean that. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com slash store, or directly donating to the network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com slash support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.